Hi, my name is Riley, and I'm here to interview my good friend Sam Civarella about her piece from our annual Bitches Get Personal show about getting sober and all she gained in the process. Let's get personal. Hi, my name is Sam, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Sam. I'd love to blame my parents for the choices I've made in the past. I spent years building my case against them, my mom especially. She was PTA president, my Girl Scout leader, softball coach, school art teacher, even our sometimes lunch lady, that woman wore every hat. But the hat I hated most was alcoholic. I started drinking when I was 15. Blackouts were normal. Crying on street corners or in public places were casual Tuesday nights for me. And drinking alone was ritual. If you had tried to tell me I had a problem, I'd laugh at you. I was the fun drunk, and I couldn't have been convinced otherwise. Then, on my 26th birthday, I got a call from my dad. It was 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which meant that it was 11 p.m. in New Jersey. I immediately knew something was wrong. It was uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah, my birthday is Christmas Eve. And I had a few friends over to celebrate. I excused myself and went into my bedroom. And my dad told me my mom was unconscious on the floor, a bottle of tequila half empty next to her, and pills missing from her Vicodin bottle. I froze. Curious as to why they called me and not 911, I started screaming at my dad. And then my mom got on the phone. Turns out she wasn't as unconscious as I had been told. It was a very ugly conversation. Uh, she slurred. And I screamed, both saying things we didn't mean. And eventually, I just hung up on her and went back to my friends as if nothing happened. I remember before the phone call, I had been drinking a hot toddy. And when I returned to it, I took a sip and I remember it tasted different. Like suddenly it was dangerous. So on January 3rd, 2017, I quit drinking. Not because I thought I had a problem, but because I never wanted to sound the way my mom did that night on the phone. 
I honestly didn't think I would make it 30 days. <laughs> I also didn't anticipate withdrawal. Uh, that's the thing um, about like movies and withdrawal. Uh, that it gets it wrong. You, you see in movies, like, yeah, you puke. I, I puked, I sweat a lot. Um, but what the movies don't talk about is the emptiness and the crying. I cried so much, I, like, very honestly thought I was never going to stop. Guess that's what happens when you feel your feelings for the first time since you were 15. Well, as of today, I am 1,297 days sober. And my mom is sober too. A, uh, our relationship changed very drastically after that phone call. First, it was really fucking bad. Then I cut her out completely and soon we were able to talk about safe things like the bachelor or dancing with the stars now three years into my sobriety and a few months into hers we're forming a relationship i truly did not think was possible i even asked her to come visit me here in los angeles a few months ago and we had the most incredible time no booze required. We even managed to survive getting stuck on the fucking Harry Potter ride at Universal. And we didn't need to drink after it. And we got stuck on the part with the Dementors. I don't know if you've been on that ride, but it's terrifying, that part. Very scary. But we made it. <laughs> For the first time, I was able to show her my life in Los Angeles. And I truly felt like she can be a part of it. Now you see, she blames herself for giving me the drunk gene. I don't blame her at all. I made myself an alcoholic. I also got sober and stay sober every single day. And now I get to watch my mom do the same thing. We're just two bitches getting it done. So do I have the drunk gene? I don't know. Do I look like I know a lot about genetics? I don't. But I did get Lisa's legs and her face and her tenacity and her very weird sense of humor. I also got her propensity for wanting to vacuum at all times and I got her heart. So I guess I did hit the genetic lottery after all. Hi, Sam. Hi, Riley. Thank you for being here. Thank you for allowing me to hang out in my closet another day. <laughs> yes, the best way to record a podcast. Truly.
I am so excited to talk about this piece. I think it is an extremely vulnerable piece and so wonderful. Thank you for sharing and letting us kind of dive in, into it. Yeah, of course. So I'm curious because you've performed with It's Personal on stage and now in some of our online shows. And do you prepare or write your pieces differently based on the media in which you're performing? Yes, for this, absolutely. You know, for when we're performing on stage, I feel like I choose different content. Mm -hmm. This was super raw. This is like out of all the stuff that I've told that it's personal. This was like I was actually the most nervous to tell this story because it's not just my story. Like it's very much also my mom's story. So it was actually, I'm actually surprised I picked this one because I knew for a fact she was going to see this one. Like if we had been doing this on stage. Right. She wouldn't have been in LA. Yeah. <laughs> in LA. She was present for my masturbation story. She was super proud. So right. that's true. I was choosing the show, the ones that I did online were like, I could tell it very easily. Like, Wasn't theatrical. Yeah. Just like rattle off like this, the plane, the plane story. Like they're all very much stories I've told a bunch of times. Whereas the ones that I choose on stage I purposely choose stuff that I will, like, be able to do a lot physically. Mm -hmm. So, or at least I try to, and then you and Liz rein me in. (laughs) Dramatically. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, I think this felt more personal than anything, especially because I was sitting alone at my computer. So I I chose it for that reason alone because I was, quote unquote, by myself while I was able to say it. Right. It's such a weird performance too like you know like people are watching you but you can't see them watching you so you feel like you're just alone in telling the story into like the ether yeah it's very weird it's very surreal it's weird performing online because you also don't get reactions to and as like a comedian because there's comedy in this there are jokes yeah (laughs) and like no one laughs because there's no one there and i can even listening to it back i can hear it in my voice like my own panic being like okay no one thought that was funny and it's like no one's here so Yeah, you don't get a play off the audience in terms of like, oh, I'm going to let this joke like land and sit there for a minute. So when did you consider yourself an alcoholic? Uh, I think it finally, well, so about two or three months after I quit drinking, I was the most depressed I've ever been. Mm. The relationship I was in was ending and I couldn't realize it. I didn't have a job. I was like between jobs or uh, it was I was a mess and I didn't have my support system, which was booze. And I remember my boyfriend at the time gifted me (laughs) my first therapy session. Mm. And when I sat down with my still therapist, like she is still my therapist to this day, it just all came pouring out. And I think that was the first time I said, or at least maybe I didn't say like, I'm an alcoholic, but it was the first time I admitted to somebody like, I need this thing and I can't have it. Mm. Told her, I was like, I also don't want prescription meds because as an artist, I, you know, I don't want anything that's going to fluff my mind 24 seven. Cause that's the thing like with, you know, alcohol and with like weed, I could control my intake, mm-hmm. which was never, uh, I guess never controlled actually. <laughs> so, but I knew I didn't want prescription meds. That was, uh, at least that was a turning point for my, um, my abuse. But I would say about three or four months into being sober was when I realized like I stopped saying, oh, I don't drink. I quit drinking. And I started saying I am sober. I'm in recovery. Mm. It took a minute. Yeah, it was like less of a, 
oh, this is a thing that's happening right now. And more of a like, this is something that I am like, I'm sober. Yeah, it was like, this is technically like my aha moment, I guess, but it wasn't, you know, nobody threw me into rehab Mm -hmm. or, you know, found me on the streets. It wasn't the cinematic, you know, addict story that we only see because I'll be honest I've never seen like my journey Mm -hmm. represented on tv or film because they do focus on rock bottom type thing rock bottom selling Mm -hmm. yourself for a crack crystal I don't know how crack (laughs) works I don't know you know I remember the last beer I poured myself it was at my bar job that I had I remember I never thought that would be it I just was like okay I'm doing a whole 30 it's just 30 days Mm -hmm. And I sat and I drank it. I have vivid memories of that last time I drank a beer, but it wasn't like they peeled me off the floor. It took like three months of crying every single day of my life to be Mm -hmm. like, this has to be more of a problem than I thought it was because this sucks. Like my relationship ended because of this depression. You know, the guy couldn't be around anymore. Mm -hmm. I blamed him at the time. I don't blame him anymore. Like I can't imagine. Yeah. Wow. I think you kind of answered this earlier, but were you afraid to tell this story? I wasn't afraid to tell my story. Mm -hmm. I was very nervous to bring my mom and my family into the mix because, like I said, it's not just my story. And I've talked about other people before. It's personal, but, you know, this is an ongoing narrative with my mom and I. And this, this performance also opened up a lot of wounds Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was scared and I was scared because I knew the aftermath was going to be a lot of questions. I thought she was going to be mad, <laughs> but I did mm-hmm. tell her I was telling this particular story before she logged on. But I was definitely scared because my family had a very interesting reaction when I got sober. So when I talk about it, they're still very mm-hmm. much in denial that the reason I don't drink is because of a problem. So, you know, nobody wants to see their family member in pain or hurting. So when they hear like, I'm in recovery, right. they think that it's this ongoing pain cycle when, re- when really I'm freer than I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah, that's interesting because they're seeing it as like a negative thing because you like had to go through it. But you're like, no, it's extremely positive Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I'm on this this side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like what was your mom's reaction to hearing you talk about her? (laughs) Uh, I mean, she was hurt, even though I told her many times how that night affected me. And, you know, because I, I, I mentioned in the story, I cut her out very shortly after that incident. I don't think we talked for like three months. Mm. So she knew like how profound that night was. I think what was hard for her was to hear the details. I, and I don't even go into a shred of detail from this night, you know. I think it was hard, as it is for a lot of people who are confronted with pain that they have caused others, it's really hard to hear. And we we had a long talk about it, you know, because one of the major things that came out of it Mm -hmm. was that she was not sober when she read that. So, you know, Mm -hmm. she heard that last bit of the piece and she called me and she was very upset because she was like, "Uh, you know, I'm not what you say I, I am. And like I said, it's an ongoing narrative. So she tries very hard every single day uh, to stay sober. And some weeks it's fantastic. And some weeks it's really hard. But I no longer shut her out if it happens because I see how hard she tries. Mm-hmm. So it's more of like, just don't lie to me and we'll be we'll be cool. If you yeah. just tell me the truth, I, I yeah. truly don't care if you had like one white claw like we can move past that. But if I ask you if you have, don't be like, no, I didn't. And I'm like looking at a picture of you holding a margarita on Facebook. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, mom, I can see Facebook. 
I, isn't that an important part of like, and I don't know if you've ever done like a or anything like that, but isn't that also an important part is like, if you do sort of have a moment of relapse or something that it's important to like acknowledge it so you can just move forward. Like it's less about, you know, just, just the purpose of like lying and stuff is when you kind of get yourself into this pattern that you can't get out of. It's like, as long as you can like acknowledge it and all that is really the most important. Yeah, denial is, I would say, the number one reason that these, that, like, relapse and stuff happens. You know, and denial is even in the sense where it's like, my problem is gone. You know, that's denial, too. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. four and a half years into this, and I, I never went to AA, but when I found my therapist, who I talked about earlier, she became kind of my sponsor because I was seeing her every single week. Mm-hmm. So it was like, that was my journey instead, and it was, you know... I still have conversations with her where, and I've never relapsed. You know, I'm, I'm a Capricorn. I'm like hella like stubborn. Like I won't relapse for the sheer <laughs> fact that then I have to like tell people I relapsed. And then you have to start over. Yeah. And I have to like start the time over. Like right. I don't want to have to input in my, like I am sober app, like a new day one. Like I have my day one. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's for me with my mom, with my experience with my mom, it's easier for it's easier for me when she just tells me the truth, because then, yes, I can get over it mm-hmm. and be like, OK, well, let's do this. And, you know, I as a health coach now, like I do this with my clients as well. If like if we're not eating sugar for two and a half weeks and you have a donut, I'm not like, how dare you have a donut? It's like, OK, you had a donut. Like, is there a reason why like you reach for the donut instead of something else? let's unpack that further. So now there's more unpacking further conversations with my mom rather than like, how dare you? Like, why, how could you do this? Because that comes from a selfish place too, from me. So yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're just, you're able to move forward from that. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like you have a really healthy relationship and I mean, PSA for everyone, go to therapy. Because... Oh my God. It saved my life. It truly saved my life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how has being sober changed your relationships with people in your life? Wow. I mean, there there's like two times in my life. There's, you know, there's Sam pre-sober and Sam now. And the the friend groups are astonishingly different from those time periods. Mm-hmm. And with very little, little overflow, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a sad, but kind of great realization. Cause I mean, the friends that I have now who knew me when I was alcoholic or still am, but like, you know, when I was in the depths, mm-hmm. there's very few of them. And those were the people who were just so understanding of my journey. And if I didn't answer the phone or I didn't want to FaceTime a hundred hours a day, like, cause you know me, like I want to talk constantly mm-hmm. and it's very strange for people who are my friends. If I'm like, hi, I can't do that. I don't set boundaries. I never did. I never knew how to set boundaries when I was a drinker because I had no boundaries with myself, let alone with other people. So, you know, the friends who couldn't handle that, the groups who were like, okay, like, come over, we're going to play Mario Kart and just, like, do shots on a Tuesday. And I was just like, I can't even, I can't even go to play the video game because all of that will freak me out. Right. There was no, like, giant, like, uproars of, like, we're not friends anymore. But it, you did notice who stopped calling. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my turning point in terms of friendship was when I met people for the first time. And I was already sober. and Like you, I met you. You've never seen me have a drink in my life. You know, right. At the restaurant we worked at, that was when things changed for me. And I figured out and I saw that I could have 
really beautiful, meaningful relationships with people. And I didn't need to drink to like crest a barrier between us. Like we, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the one night I would avoid going out after work all the time because I was only like five months sober when I started working there. So it was still Mm -hmm. very raw. So I mean, but one of the first nights I went out with everybody after work, which as you also know, I love to go home and sleep. But at the time I was still (laughs) very much a night person. You were able to stay up past nine. Yeah, and not anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I went out to Little Bar, and when I got mm-hmm. there, one of our coworkers already had a club soda with lime for me, like ready Aww. to go. And it was just like, oh my god! Like that was a really. I knew that I could, that I didn't need to be this persona that I had for so long, which was Sam mm-hmm. the fun drunk. Because first of all, I was never a fun drunk. So like that was like I was like you, you know, thought was, you were at the time. But I thought yeah. I was the coolest. Yeah. Like I thought I was so fun and so like oh my god, look at her, she's dancing like crazy. It's like I do that anyway. Like I just I needn't a, a tequila shot, you know, to do it. But I thought I did. So that's how the relationship changes. I was I was I was able to start creating boundaries and living in ba- safe and healthy boundaries where, you know, I was just honest with people and I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, this makes me uncomfortable or I can't do this activity because it's too triggering and now I've been dating a sommelier for 3 years and there's 10,000 bottles of wine in my house and it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really cool to be like, oh, I sh- I showed up at the bar and this person already got me something to drink and it's like you didn't have to walk in and explain. It's like obviously they knew, but it's like to know that you don't have to walk in and be like Oh, no one's going to be like, oh, why don't you have a drink? Why aren't you drink? You know, it's like you are already supported in that. The people around you aren't asking. And maybe it's like when you have those people that you were drinking with before would be more inclined to like ask you that kind of stuff because they think it's fine for you to just have a drink or something. You know, it's like. Which was my family, (laughs) which is the worst. It was them. Yeah. So you like were able to find this other support system to kind of get you through those other moments. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Okay, so you said earlier, you said four and a half years, but how many days are you sober? Are you going to pull up the app? (laughs) I'm going to have to. Once you get into the thousands, you know, know, I want to know uh, because I feel like it's a very high number. Let's see what we got here. Okay, so we got 1,568 days. Whoa. I know. That's crazy. It's crazy. Four years, three months, 17 days. That's amazing. Wow. I love it. Yeah. It's unreal to think. Yeah. The longest relationship I've ever been in. Is my yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Cute. I love it. <laughs> we celebrate every January. Yeah. Third, so. so awesome. So this rehearsal process, you were in the Bitches Get Personal show and obviously it was, it was all online this time, but still we had rehearsals like with all, all the ladies um, telling these stories and kind of being able to share with each other and like just what was that rehearsal process for you like to have this group of women that you were sharing your vulnerable story with? I had I mean I chose this story be- specifically because it was the bitches get personal show I you know I knew that the rehearsal process like it always is is safe and nurturing and super supportive and I knew that with a bunch of women, it was just going to double down and there was Mm -hmm. just going to be magic that you can't even put into words. And there was. And the thing that is always so profound for me when I tell any story of my sobriety in any group of people is how many people ask me afterwards questions Mm. and like inquiring in the sense where they're 
they are like asking for their own journey because mm-hmm. my story is like very normal. Like, you know, I, I, yes, I consider myself an alcoholic, but how I used to drink is how a lot of people do day to day. And they're like, right. I'm not an alcoholic. And I'm like, that's okay. You know, th- th- that's what these stories bring up for a lot of people as they see me. And they're just like, I used to cry at the bar. I used to get drunk at the job that I had. You know, I have a tumultuous relationship with people, you know, and they're like, am I an alcoholic? And that's, uh, you know, I, I feel like I remember a few, a few ladies were like, maybe not those questions, but it was, uh, like gratitude, like messages of gratitude and thanks. And just like, Hey, thanks for being so vulnerable. Like, you know, which is, I'm nothing special. Like anytime we do these shows, I find myself messaging people in rehearsals and I'm just like, oh my God, like, you know, it's personal brings that gratitude out Mm where we're so grateful people are sharing stories. So being in the room with these insane women, uh, and I say insane with love, but you know, I, their stories, you know, it's fire, it's fire and it's magic, you know, Mm -hmm. being in that virtual room, being in that room, the when I finally saw a bitches get personal show at for its personal on stage like three years ago, I just remember sitting there going, "I that's the one. Mm-hmm. This is the show I must do. I right. need to do. If they do not call me, I will break down the door. Like this is, this is it." And you called me for horrifying. Still forever grateful. But you know, I I knew that I wanted to be in that room. I wanted to be in the room where it happened with all that gorgeous lady energy. So yeah. I felt safe the whole time. Yeah, it was still really special, even though we didn't get to do it like in person. It still is such a such a great show to be all together and everyone's like so supportive. And I know besides your mom, who sounds amazing, just when you're taught like the end is such a great part where you're talking about all these like things that you got from your mom. Um, I just love it so much. But who are women that inspire you? Oh, my God. Um Women in my life in general, I mean, you inspire me. Liz inspires me. My friend Abby, Kate Orlando. I mean, women who are close to me because it's immediate. You know, it's not you're not it's not a hero's journey where like you want to meet these people. It's like I have them. I have inspiration in my life and in my heart all the time. Mm -hmm. So you are all so, so inspiring to me Uh, on more lofty, lofty notes. I mean, the the first inspiration of my entire life was Gilda Radner. You know, I... Yes. My parents introduced me. I don't know what they saw, but they were just like, oh, God, this one feels she's like that. She's like Gilda. Yeah. And they you are like they that. showed yeah. me Gilda immediately. And I just was like, oh, give me a break. Like I would do Roseanne, Rosanna Dana so often. Like I'm sure it was annoying to everybody, but Gilda <laughs> is up there. I mean, I'm like literally like going through a Rolodex of like women in my brain where I'm just like, who are like the, the women in my life that inspire me? But it's always been women who I've been around, you know, it's mm-hmm. even women who like, you know, I don't talk to anymore, but I've been, I, you know, as women, we watch women. Right. And it's hard because we're not normally portrayed in media in a way where you're like, I'm going to be like her, you know, very rarely. Well, now it's getting better. Right. There was Disney princesses, but there weren't like superheroes. Like, and now there are. For yeah. context, like when I was growing up, you know, I was like, okay, I'm Meg from Hercules and I'm Kat from 10 Things I Hate About You. Like, I wasn't Bianca, mm-hmm. I was Kat. And that was because that's what I thought was a badass, you know? So in terms of badass, like, now I watch people like AOC in Congress just mm-hmm. killing it, and you know, and I follow her stories and everything and I'm just like, damn, like, this is crazy. And you see um, 
like Greta Thunberg. Like she's just like five years old and truly changing mm-hmm. the world. You know, I admire people who don't go into it in the business of like inspiring because something that is crazy to me are people who come up to me and they're like, hey, I got sober because I heard your story, which has happened to me more than once. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, like, wow, you don't expect to be somebody's jumping off point or like an inspiration in any Mm -hmm. capacity. So those women inspire me. And, and, you know, those men too, because there's been, you know, men and I just, I recently have met like actually a lot of sober people. The job that I work at right now, there's a lot of people who are in recovery and I've never, ever been in an environment where there's so many people who talk with such jubilance, like such joy about being sober Mm -hmm. and like what it means to like be that, like just, you know, and none of us are dorks. Like, let me tell you, these are cool people, you know, like they're <laughs> such cool people. Their journeys are so interesting. And man, it I, I'll never forget when like in one day I met like five people in recovery and I was like, whoa, I'm so like, this is so great. And like, it's not what you see in movies. It's not a bunch of like, none of us are like weird, like strung out people, like having weird mm-hmm. moments with people. We're, we're vaccinating Los Angeles, baby. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. can have our way that's awesome did I even answer your question I'm not even sure I did <laughs> yeah you did yeah no you you gave me like 45 answers and they're all just so beautiful and I'm just Shocking like some events I went on a tangent I know but I'm just like marinating in it because I think it's so, so beautiful what you said and you're so inspiring as well and thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story and not being afraid to talk about like your imperfections and the things that have made you who you are and so thank you for sharing thank you for always making it a safe place to share (laughs) you know it's not every day you get an email being like hi you're in the show what story do you want to tell and I was just Mm -hmm. like my sobriety story like why was I excited because I knew I would be held and I would be supported and and built up the whole time. I just knew mm-hmm. that if there was ever going to be a place, it was going to be with its personal because every time I do a show, I'm ne- I had it's no fear the whole time from beginning to end. Even even days I'm nervous. It's just nervous. It's never fear. Right. So thank you for cultivating that community. Yeah. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Let's go before we keep talking about how much we love each other. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> and I think the listeners are like, but tell us more. And I'm like, well, yeah. Riley and I could talk about true crime for the next 45 minutes. Uh, easy. So, But the editors will kill us. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hear you. And I just know I'm laughing because I just know it was probably something funny you said. <laughs> We're being edited as we speak. I, We're that's just... what I'm saying. They're going to edit all this <laughs> out because they're like, you need to stop talking. We, no. No, don't silence us. This is important stuff. What if something we say is important and you have to, you can't edit around it. Ha ha. Do something to wrap it up. I don't know. Now we're spiraling. All right. Thank you so much, Sam. (laughs) Thank you, Riley. I don't know why you guys keep letting me do this. I don't know. Okay. Bye. Bye. It's Personal is a live storytelling show with a twist. You can find tickets to future shows in the 2021 season at itspersonalonstage.com or in the link in our Instagram bio at itspersonalonstage. While you're on our website, take a second to catch up with our blog, sign up for a class or two, invest in a membership, and explore our store for the coolest merch in town. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.